This program is brought to you by Bible Media, overseen by the elders of the Chipman Road Church of Christ in Lee Summit, Missouri. Thank you for joining us today here on Coffee with Zach and Russ. Hello again. We do want to welcome everyone back to Coffee with Zach and Russ. We're looking at a topic that Brother Zach is going to introduce to us today, looking at uh, the danger of hell and how hell is real, how we must find a way to get people to understand that fact. And no doubt, hell is one of those topics people don't like to talk about. Uh, You know, sometimes people are referred to as uh, fire and brimstone preachers like and such things as they talk about hell. Um, But, you know, it's something we have to talk about because it is a reality. And with that in mind, I'm going to be quiet and let Brother Zach introduce us to this topic uh, this morning. You know, you talk about the dangers of the dangers of hell and the fa- the fact that it is a reality. And a couple things that really got me thinking about this particular topic. I remember two or three years ago. It's probably actually been longer than that now. I remember preaching a sermon. Uh, entitled The Reality of Hell. I remember an older member, when I was done presenting that message, you know, he come to me and he said, well, you know, I haven't heard a lesson uh, on hell like that in a long time. And, you know, a lot of people, they try to dismiss hell. And as you well know, Russ, that, you know, there's several ways in which people do that. Of course, false doctrine creeps in, you know, the idea that, oh, well, your soul's just asleep. You're not actually going to be destroyed. Or there's, you know, like annihilation, annihilation, like you're only going to be tormented for a little bit and you'll ultimately destroy. But no, hell is a, a real thing and a real danger that most people don't realize the reality of it. And, you know, one of the things as a preacher, you present a lesson, and sometimes I think people miss this point that as a preacher, you see what everyone's doing during a sermon. And, you know, as a preacher, I'm sure you've seen it. You've seen it all. You've seen the people sleeping. You've seen the people goofing off. And you wonder, it's like, do they understand the true reality? And I'm convinced that people don't understand the true reality of hell, because if they did, our worship services would be full. We wouldn't have empty pews. We wouldn't be able to get people, uh, everyone to fit in our buildings if people truly understood the reality of hell. But you know what's interesting? Uh I asked some people uh, some time ago, it's like, if you were driving down a road and you, you come to a sign that said, you know, danger ahead, the bridge is out. I asked them, I said, what would you do? And, you know, would you keep driving or would you turn around? Well, everyone responded, well, we'd turn around. Well, why would you turn around? Because they understood the danger of the bridge being out. Well, you know, there's another bridge, the bridge between man and God. And according to Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2, that bridge has been destroyed by sin. And so there has to be a way for you and I to get back to God. But if we don't do that, uh, we are in the danger of sin. And so as we look at this topic is kind of what we've done is we went back to the Old Testament to look at two examples. Uh, one example we're going to discuss is, is Rahab, and she's going to understand the situation that she's in, 
at how she reacts and then ultimately how her family reacts. And then we're going to look at another situation with Lot, and they're going to be in a similar situation and how they react. And then ultimately, when we get to the end of this discussion, we're going to turn the question to us. How do we react uh, when we're in that danger? So, Russ, I don't know if you want to start with Rahab or if you want me to continue continue going. No, I mean, when you talk about hell, and I've done lessons like this before, and I know this probably isn't your only lesson you've done on hell before. And, you know, whenever you talk about hell, you always have those, um, like you said, you have those who, who will bring in false ideas and things. And I remember one, I've heard it more than once, you just say one person, but I've heard people say, well, how could a loving God send someone to hell? And I've heard that from, from uh, uh, proclaimed members of the church, and I heard that from people outside of the church as well. You know, how can a loving God send someone to hell? And I, you know, I do have a lesson to deal specifically with that. And then there's one that's, uh, you know, uh, I've done this something entitled, you know, how to go to hell. And I dealt with the idea of disobedience because when we talk about hell, we have to think about who is going to dwell there and how we can avoid such a place. Um, and we have here, you know, we think about this first one here with, with Rahab. You know, people talk about Rahab a lot and ask, well, what about Rahab? What about Rahab? Well, what about her? You know, if we look at Joshua chapter 2 and chapter uh, chapter 2, verses, uh, really verse 9 and following there, it talks about the knowledge that Rahab had. You know, we find in verses 9 and following that she knew of the danger uh, of, of going against God. In Joshua chapter 2, 9 through 11, talks about how, how the things that she knew. Um, she says there, And I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the, the water of the Red Sea for you for you when you came out of Egypt, what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted, neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and the earth beneath. And so she knew exactly who she was, quote unquote, dealing with. And she knew that anyone who goes against God as he goes against his commands are going to face the wrath of God. And I think about that phrase there, reading from the New King James says, our hearts melted. <laughs> uh, the idea that, you know, you either talk to someone and you, you tell them something that they weren't expecting. You, can, you see their shoulders just sank, uh, and they just, you know, they shake their head. And that's what I think of here. They're just all hope is is gone. Uh, and she knew that was the case if they went against God. You know, we find there in Joshua 2, 12 and 13, how she hid the spies, and, she, and then she asked for kindness. And Joshua 2, in verses 12 and 13, uh, verse 13 says, And spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that all they have, and deliver our lives uh, from death. Uh, you know, people wanted to ask about Rahab and if she if she lied, if she was deceitful. You know, she carried out a, a specific task for a specific purpose. Did she lie? I don't believe that she did. I think we think about Rahab that the Bible tells us she hid them on the on the roof of her on the roof of her house, if I remember correctly. Um, and then and they asked if they were in the house, and she said, "No, they were not in the house." Well, that wasn't lie; they weren't in the house. Um, but regardless, you know, she has not spoken as one who who had gone against God. She, I think it very clearly showed here that she is in chapter two of Joshua one who fears God, and one understood that you do not want to go against God. We look at Joshua chapter six and verse twenty two and following, find that her family believed, uh, and that they knew, uh, you know. They wanted to be on the right side of God, so to speak. 
I think that's what it all comes down to is do we want to be on the right side of God? Do we fear hell enough? You know, I tell people all the time, I shouldn't say all the time, I'll tell people before, you know, we really believed hell was real and that judgment day was coming. We'd have to find more chairs for our auditoriums on Sundays and Wednesdays. But the problem is people have the attitude of Felix uh, there in um, I believe it's Acts chapter 24, where he's, when the Bible tells tells us how he told Paul to go away for now and have a more quote-unquote convenient time, I'll call for you. I don't believe, it seems like there he didn't believe that hell was a possibility he could face the very next day. Well, it is a possibility we could face the very next day. It's a possibility we could face uh, Judgment Day before this day comes to an end, before the day comes to an end. And we don't say these things to try to scare people or to make people think, uh, you know, uh, tremble in their seats. But we should have that fear uh, of the judgment day and that it drives us and want to do what is good and right and pleasing in the sight of God. All right, I've said enough here. Someone stop at Brother Zach at anything he'd like. You know, there's a couple things that you said that I want to just add to really quickly before I, I really make another point. The first one. Uh, that you made really at the beginning of what you started to say, you know, people will make this discussion. You said you have a lesson dealing with it, and I do too. You know, how could a loving God send me to hell? One of the first things that I tell people when I hear that statement is we need to stop saying that. How could God send someone to hell? The reality is God does not send anyone to hell. He allows them to go there. You know, when we spend a life in open rebellion to God, when we spend a life saying, God, I want nothing to do with you, when it comes to that judgment day, God says, you wanted an entire life wanting nothing to do with me. Now you can have all eternity. And so he, he doesn't send us there. He allows us to go there by the decisions that we made. And so, uh, you know, I'm trying to encourage people to think of it that way. God doesn't send me to hell if that's where I would end up. I went there because ultimately that's the decision. That's the choice uh, and that I made. And then, then you made mention about uh, Felix there in Acts chapter 24. You know, uh, uh, on, more, on a more convenient day, uh, I'll call thee. And you said, you know, he makes that statement to your point that, you know, he wasn't convinced about the danger of hell. Well, you know, I got to thinking as soon as you said that just a few chapters later in Acts chapter 26, uh, when you have King Agrippa standing before Paul and he says, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. There's another example of someone that was not convinced of the dangers of hell. And, you know, one of the saddest things in my mind about both those individuals, at least as far as history goes for us in 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 the scriptures uh neither one of those men the bible never records either one of those men ever obeying the gospel because they were not convinced but you know one of the go if you go over there to acts chapter 26 uh really quickly something that paul says that i think is actually really interesting if i can get the whole chapter here to pull up not just verse 28 because we're talking about you know being convinced of the dangers of hell, uh, verse 28, then Agrippa, this is of Acts chapter 26, uh, then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian, and Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were almost and all together such as I am except these bonds. And so Paul's plea, his response to almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian, he is, I wish all were convinced, completely convinced, 
to be a Christian, completely convinced that the danger is real. And, you know, just to just to backtrack to Rahab really quickly, you look there in uh, Joshua chapter six and you look there at uh, verse number 20 and, and verse number 21 uh, and even later on that the danger that Rahab feared, it was real. Because what happened, uh, even within uh, the children of Israel would come against Jericho and that city would ultimately be destroyed. So the very thing that Rahab was concerned about, it came to pass. And all those that were in that city that were outside her window, what happened? They perished. And so, the, you know, I consider the story of Rahab, and she goes and she tells her household, her father, and all these people, and they came to her house, and they were spared. But then I get to thinking about this other man, Lot. And he finds himself in uh, a situation you consider. Uh, remember, he went and he pitched his tent uh, towards the cities of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And he ends up there, and God, of course, uh, because of what said uh, in, about Sodom of Gomorrah, that, man, he's going to destroy those cities. As a matter of fact, if you remember, as Genesis chapter 19 uh, opens up, those two angels are, are sent to Sodom, and Lot was there at the gate. And, of course, they go into uh, Lot's house, and they're going to stay down but verse 4 specifically mentions before they lay down the men of the city even the men of Sodom uh, surrounded the house both old and young all the people from every quarter and of course you know they're wanting a lot of course to send those two men out so they could do wicked and terrible things to them so what's the point of that verse the whole city was given over to sin from the old to the young to the rich to the poor and that's where Lot uh, had found himself in. You continue reading there in Genesis chapter 19, you get down to verses 12 to 13. Uh, God was against these cities, and they're going to be destroyed. Now, remember, when Rahab understood that they were against God, uh, her heart melted. The people of Jer their their hearts melted. Why? Because they were against God. Well, here's Sodom and Gomorrah. They are against God. And so Lot, he is going to go do the same thing that Rahab did. Uh, Rahab went and told her family that, hey, the danger of hell is real. Uh, we have a way out. We have a way to escape. Will you take it? Of course, with Rahab's family, uh, they were able to escape that danger. But, you know, the sad thing you see with Lot is really what you see a lot today. Look at uh, Genesis chapter 19 and verse number 14. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-laws, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-laws. How many times, Russ, as a preacher, have you preached a lesson on hell, and you can tell that people don't take it seriously? How, how, how many times have you maybe even discussed with friends and family members? I know I have. And you tell them about the dangers of hell. And people don't take it seriously. You know, something that I'll never forget. And it was really one of the reasons uh, that really got me thinking about doing more lessons like this is I was, I was preaching a lesson and there's a young man, uh, been doing a little bit of study with him, conversation with him, hoping that, you know, he'll make the decision to 
become a Christian. And so I was preaching a lesson. I don't remember exactly what lesson it was now, but was, you know, really hitting on some things that I know this young man needed to hear. And as I'm out there, you know, kind of looking in his direction, because I'm really, you know, focusing in on him, uh, this uh, lady that he was sitting next to, a cousin, family member, I don't remember now, the entire time she's over there messing with him, like tickling his ear, messing with his hair. And it's like, you don't understand. Mm-hmm. that the danger is real. You, you're one that is, as was said here, Lot's son-in-law. Here, Lot was like, hey, you know, God's going to destroy this city. We need to get out. And they're like, Lot, you're crazy. You're crazy. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you remember uh, even later in the chapter with Lot's wife, uh, there in verse 26, in my judgment, you know, she looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Well, why did she look back? She didn't want to give up those things. She didn't think the danger was really that real. They had been warned to get out, to not look back. And she didn't perceive that the danger was real when in reality it was. Yeah, you know, and one of the things I think about when I think about uh, Son of Gomorrah, which it's a very sad situation when you think about how, as you pointed out there in Genesis 19, how everything was given over to, to sin. Um, and they were being warned. They had been warned. I think I think it's clear they've been warned before. Uh, I mean, Lot was there. The Bible, as we'll talk about in a minute there in Second Peter 2, talks about righteous Lot, refers to him as righteous. I don't think they they could live there without them warning the people. I find that, I find that difficult to, to believe. But I'm sure one of the things he warned them about, and one of the things that the Bible always warns us about, like you said, is that hell is a very real place. You know, we don't like to think about bad things as humans, especially today. People don't like things that are negative, you know. Um, people want to talk about good, nice, fluffy things. It's kind of like how when you go to a funeral, people want to do a celebration of life. Um, and usually that's done a lot of times. <laughs> a lot of times for those who are not members of the church, you'll have, quote, unquote, celebrations of life. Because no one wants to talk about the idea of this individual not going to go to heaven because because of them not living a life that's pleasing to God. And so we celebrate life, which means we think about about we think back about the good times, right? Which there's nothing wrong with thinking back to those good times, but a funeral, despite what some would like to think, is not a bad time to warn people to consider how they're living. And I don't care if a person was righteous or unrighteous when they die. I think both of those individuals would want those kinds of things said to warn others. And I think a good example of that is is Lazarus and the rich man, right? And the rich man, the last thing he wanted, he wasn't he wasn't going he wasn't concerned about them, uh, you know, not being a fit into his funeral or or whatever may happen for on his behalf. He wanted them to be warned. And I think that's what we want today. We want to warn people. Whether you're talking about a righteous person passing away or unrighteous, they both want the same lesson. Warn others. Because you remember there with the righteous man and Lazarus, when the rich man died and went to uh, torments, the Bible says he, he, he tells us how he had five brothers. He wanted them to warn, be warned unless they come also to this place of torment. Um, which is described such that he just wanted just a slightest relief, which was a drop of water on his tongue, which he could not receive. And that was in torments. Um, and I think about 
going back to Lot, I think about Second Peter chapter two, verses six and seven. But the Bible says they're turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes. Why? Because of their wickedness, and condemned them to destruction. That's a reference to hell. Not, not the idea they're going to be annihilated, but hell is oftentimes referred to as destruction because you're constantly experiencing things. As I look at the Bible, the Bible describes hell as a place you, where you receive such punishment it should kill you, but it doesn't. It's going to last forever. Where the worm dies not and the flame is not quenched, right? Making them an example, verse 6, of, to those who afterward would, would live ungodly. There's your warning about how you should live today so you can avoid such a place, right? And verse 7 says, And delivered righteous lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked, he was oppressed by the now this from the New King James the filth by the filthy conduct of the wicked, but he was delivered. Why? Because he was trying to live godly among an ungodly people. He knew the danger was real. That's why, like Zachary pointed out, he tried to warn uh, his family members, and some of them thought, "Well, he's just messing around." I've never heard someone joke around unless they're just a worldly person, which Lot is made clear he's not. Um, I never heard someone joke around about hell. I never heard someone joke around about heaven. Um, when we're, we we have those serious conversations about things and people kind of get spooked, they'll make an uncomfortable joke. <laughs> now, that's what I think about with these individuals. They're making an uncomfortable joke. Oh, he's just messing around. Uh, and they kind of walk away thinking, I wish he'd stop talking about it. But Lot was not going to do that. Uh, he was warning them because the danger was very real. Lot... And I've often wondered why Lot stayed the place, stayed in such a place. I have no idea. The Bible doesn't reveal that. We know he traveled, and, and you know when he when he departed, and he went to make his his place of living. He went to a distance, and and this is where he settled. Um, but I think it's also a reminder that sometimes we have to remove ourselves from wickedness, and Lot did not, um, and it cost him dearly, not his own life. But it costs. It would cost the the lives of some of his family members, and it would also cost the life of his wife. As Zach pointed out, she looked back and turned to a pillar of salt. Why? Because she disobeyed God. God told her, "Don't even look back." Um, it's a wicked place. You know what's going to happen, and look and don't look back. And and I always think about how when they're leaving, I, I kind of picture in my mind, you know, these fiery objects falling from the sky, and they're walking away from it all. And she turns and looks back. Why look back? You know what's going to happen. They're all going to die. God's already said that. So don't look back. Well, she did. Well, hell is a very real place. And I think her turning to a pillar of salt to be a reminder that God is very real about things. He warned her not to do so. She did. She was punished immediately. The people of the city of the plains were warned, I think, numerous times. And what happened? They still would not turn. And we find there that despite you know the thoughts of man, the danger is very real, like we have here in Genesis 19, 24, and 25, and then again in verses 27 through 29. Um, we can try to fool ourselves and convince ourselves that danger is not near. But it's kind of like hearing a <laughs> – my wife jokes around with me, but in, in Oklahoma, we'd hear tornado sirens all the time. Um, and we'd hear people talk about the news. And I'd tell her, you know, until I hear the siren, I'm not getting up. And so I'd literally roll back over. And there were plenty of times where she'd tell me the sirens are going off, you got to get up. And I knew it was serious, so I'd get up and I'd go and, you know, get to our place of safety. Um, but we can't do that in a, in a spiritual sense. Now, I was really doing that all the time just to mess with her. Uh, when the danger I thought really was near, it was where we were going to do what was needed. But in a spiritual sense, we can't wait. 
if the trumpet of the Lord sounds and we think, okay, now I'll get myself right, we're already too late. We cannot do that. Now, that's the last thing I'm going to say for our topic. We may want to come back and deal with this more next week. But I'm going to let Zach add anything he'd like before we close out here today. Yeah, you know, um, we may we may want to revisit this because, you know, I've got a – I don't want to – I mean, I'd like to spend more time on it in just a few minutes. But, you know, we looked at those two, two examples with just Lot and Rahab. And, of course, there's many, many other examples that we could look at about the reality of hell and – you know, taking it seriously. You know, God has warned us, and we just have to, you know, we have to make the decision, well, what am I going to do with the information that I have? You know, do we believe it, or do we believe it like Rahab's family, or or we like Lot's family, and do we mock uh, at the message of God? You know, one thing that I do want to point out, because we have talked about this a lot, you know, some people like to talk about about hell for whatever reason being a a temporary thing. I think one of the reasons uh, people do that is because to them it makes it sound better. Well, if if hell is something that I have to go to, maybe it's just temporary, and that makes me feel better. But one of the things that I always encourage people to look at, and I just want to look at this verse, and then I'll be good to close. Uh, Matthew chapter 25, verse 46. And that's what I always tell people to consider when they start saying, oh, well, well, hell is just a temporary place. So you look at Matthew chapter 25 and verse 46, and it says in these, and obviously you had to go back to the context of Matthew 25 to truly understand the these, um, but these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. And someone may even say, well, Zach, you've brought me to a verse and it talks about punishment being everlasting, but life being eternal. Well, that's the way it reads in the English. But when you look at the word everlasting and you look at the word eternal in the original Greek language, they're the exact same word. And so if you're going to make the case that hell is a temporary punishment, then you have to make the argument that heaven is a temporary reward. And nobody wants to make that argument. But they all want to make the argument that hell is, well, you can't have it both ways. Either they're both temporary or they're both eternal. And as Russ said, we don't say these things to scare anyone. We don't want to use scare tactics, but sometimes the lessons on hell are the lessons we need to hear. I remember uh, an elder's wife, very dear lady, uh, she was converted out of Catholicism. And I remember asking her, I said, well, what was the, what was the thing that finally convinced you uh, that you needed to obey the gospel? And I cannot remember uh, the preacher's name now. He's an old, uh, old-timey old preacher. He's uh, passed on. But he had a sermon entitled, The Hellbound Train. And she said, I sat through that sermon. And she said, I turned to my husband. He's an elder in the church. And she said, I'm on that train. I remember when I obeyed the gospel uh, was having a Bible study with my grandfather, and we were talking about hell. And I remember in the just in the middle of that study, I stopped my grandfather and said, I'm going to lose my soul to hell 
if I don't get that, if I don't make things right. And so, again, we don't say these things to scare, but sometimes they're the warning that people need to hear. Yes, I agree. It's it's the warning we need to hear exactly. Um, you know, throughout the Bible, we find where people are warned because, you know, we, I think about the song we sing, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it, the the word, there's a phrase in there that says, oh, sinner, heed the warning. You know, I think it's part of, uh, heed the warning, hear the warning. Um, and it's the idea that we need to hear the warning that God's giving us. I mean, the Bible is filled with so many warnings, it's ridiculous. Um, and it's amazing how many times that, we look at the mornings of the Bible and we say, well, how could they miss that? And yet we today can act the very same way. We can, the Bible warns us about living a certain way. And we say, eh, well, you know, it's not a big of a deal. And like, like uh, Zach was saying a second ago, people will talk about heaven differently than talk about hell. You know, both are eternal. It just, our, our, our choice of how we live this life depends on which one we're going to, where we're going to spend it. You know, eternal life, I think about it being, I think it's been worded that way because living, when you're in heaven, you actually get to live. You get to live and experience life as God desires it for us to be. And yet in hell, you know, it's referred to as, you know, that eternal punishment or eternal death. And it's continual death. Who wants to experience that? I don't. I've experienced enough painful things in my life, not as much as some others. But I have no need and no desire to experience them ever again. And definitely not for all eternity. Okay, we're going to stop there. We do thank you for your time and for your attention. When we come back next time, uh, Lord willing, we'll continue this lesson looking at uh, what we titled this, Danger Ahead, Really? Question mark. And so we'll continue this next time. We do thank you for your time and for your attention. We hope you'll encourage others to tune in as well. And we'll see you again next time. We thank you for joining us today. We hope you have enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Media by visiting us at BibleWayMedia.org. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find all of our podcasts on all major podcast platforms. As always, we thank you for listening.